We're starting an exciting new series on marriage and family, and we believe that many marriages will rediscover purpose and passion as God releases his revelation and anointing. Those preparing for marriage will particularly find the study invaluable. In this message, Jean George shares on the basics understanding marriage and preparing for marriage. To use words to hurt people, and God's word is always building up, edifying. And God's word is creative. If you look at the book of Genesis, God says, He says something, let there be. And then we read, and it was so. God uses words to create. God says, let there be, and it was so. And the interesting thing is this. When we look at the book of Jeremiah, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. You see, In verse 9, the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So God does something interesting here. He touches Jeremiah's mouth and then he says, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. The words of the infinite one in the mouth of finite creation. Right? And then he says something even more interesting. I have set this day, set you this day over the nations And I want you to do these things because I have put my words in your mouth. I want you to declare in order to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. If we need to root out something, throw down something, pull down something, works of darkness, we use the words of the infinite one which he has given us. And we declare that out. If we want to build, establish something in our lives, we take the words of the infinite one. And as finite creatures, we declare it by faith to establish and to plant and to build. Amen. And many times when we look at situations where we need to maybe root out We hold back. We cry out to God, and which is good. God also says, you employ the word that I had given you. You declare the word that I had given you. You declare the rhema word which I quicken to your spirit. And you will be able to pull down. You will be able to plant and establish. This privilege of all those who call upon the name of God. Amen. So shall we all stand and make our declaration? You have your Bibles can hold it in your hand and say this out loud. Say it with faith. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed Victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just turn to your neighbor or turn to someone who, yeah, let's do this. Turn to someone whom you've never met before. Okay. Your place will not be taken. Don't worry. You can always come back to your place. Turn to someone, meet someone, shake hands with someone and tell them, you will become all that God wants you to become. Okay. Once you've done that, come back to your place. You may be seated, please. Thank you. Um, This morning, uh, Pastor is uh, traveling. Um, so, um, we have, uh,
Jean with us, Mrs. Jean George, and uh, we are also starting an exciting new series uh, from this Sunday. It's a series on marriage and family. How many of you are excited about this series? Okay, a few hands. All the singles are saying, you know, you know how will it benefit me, right? Um, you know, I remember many years ago when we went for our, um, you know, marriage counseling, like premarital counseling, right? Um, so I, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, hey, why should I do this, right? Uh, we know all there is to know about marriage. Why should I, you know, do this at all? My parents didn't go through this. My grandparents didn't go through this. They just got married, right? But my eyes were opened when I sat there and listened to the wisdom that is in the Word of God about marriage. The design that is there in the Word of God for marriage. The roles that are mentioned in the Word of God for the husband, for the wife, and so on. So it can be an education for those of us who are single, right? And for those of us who are married, yes, we go back. It's be a reaffirmation and we, we of, of the Word of God about our marriage and also about the design that, um, um, that is there in the Word of God regarding our marriage, right? So um, let's pay attention, let's uh, study from the Word, and let's put to practice what we see in the Word of God. So why don't we put our hands together and welcome uh, Mrs. Jean George, uh, Jean, as she comes and shares the word with us. Good morning, church. Um, if you are uh, a person who goes um, for a Sunday lunch to our famous APC Richie's restaurant, you'll know what I'm talking about, right? So if you go to, go to, ch- uh, go to, a- to, to Richie's on a Sunday, you will have three groups of people there. There are the the, the first group who's already sitting on the table and eating halfway into their meal. There is a second group who's, who's on the waiting list, waiting for their table. And there's a third group who, who's uh, waiting for take-home deliveries, and they have some time to dig in. So when we're talking about marriage, I know each of us fit into that one group. Some of you are a year into marriage, 10, 20, 50 years, or you're on your waiting list, getting ready to get married. Or we have the very, very many youngsters who have a long time waiting to dig in. But let me tell you, I think marriage is one of the topics that's most relevant for every one of us. Yes? Yes. Okay, so before I get started, let's just uh, start with a word of prayer. Father God, I just thank you, Father, because um, you're going to open our eyes to something that's from your word. And God, even as I bring it, I just pray, Lord, that your strength will be made complete through my weakness. Lord, that your wisdom will be poured out through every word and that your power will be made full through every one of my limitations. Lord, I just pray that every word that goes through will reach our hearts and it will change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I start, I have a disclaimer. I just want to say I'm not a person standing here who's mastered the art of being married with my husband. But, um, and it's not something that I'm looking back, but I'm in the process of doing. I'm just like one of you having difficulties in marriage. And sometimes more than often, I think we need to work on our marriage uh, also. So um, just to assure you that I haven't mastered it all, right? Okay. Um, We're getting into an entire new series of marriage and family. And uh, we're going to be taking the next 10 weeks to learn about this. Okay, so there is a lot to learn about marriage, not just in in one hour. And uh, you could probably see the topics that are there. We're going to work on the first two today of understanding marriage and uh, preparing for marriage. Um, So please make sure that you mark your Sunday calendar and are there for the next 10 weeks. All right. So is, even as we begin this journey by establishing uh, principles of marriage, I think the best book to look back in is at the, where? The Word of God, exactly. I thought some of you had doubts on it. Okay. We, we are going to look, have our journey and look at it through a biblical perspective about how God sees marriage. You know, in today's world, there are very many distortions of marriage. You have child marriage, 
you have marriage of convenience, you have live-in relationships that completely do away with marriage, and you also have same-sex marriages. So we, we have a confused idea about what marriage is. But I think the best place to look in for marriage is at the Word of God. So we have the Bible as our standard, and if we need to desire uh, to understand what marriage is all about, we look back into the Word of God. Okay, so our next qu first question for today. Who do you think is the designer of marriage? Papa and mommy? God. Good. Okay, I'm, I'm actually a, a, a trainer and a workshop person, so I, I find it very difficult to have people not really answer me back. So if I ask you a question, be gentle to answer back. Okay, so yes, let's, look let's open our Bibles and look into Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25, and I'm going to read that out for you. God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. So God formed him, formed from the dirt of the ground, all the animals of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle, named the birds of the air, named the wild animals, but he didn't find a suitable companion. God put the man into a deep sleep. As he slept, he removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. God then used the rib that he had taken from the man to make woman and presented her to the man. The man said, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, name her, I name her woman for she, has made, she was made from man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife. They became one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked, but they felt no shame. So if you look at this passage, what we see is that God looked at all that he created and he called it, and he called it good. But the only one thing that he said was not good was Adam being alone or being by himself. He said that it was not good, right? So God felt and he, 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 he knew that man needed a companion. He needed an aid. He needed a helper, someone who will be a companion to Adam. And he saw that if man was alone, okay, men, I want you to listen to this. So God felt that if man was alone, he would be lonely, he will be isolated, and he would be selfish. How nice is our God, isn't he? Okay, so in order to eliminate all of this, what did God do? God made Eve to eliminate all the things that man would feel if he was alone. God made Eve and he recognized that Eve was the right person to relate to Adam and none of the cattle and the animals that God had created. So men, we need to know that God created your wives and your to-be wives in order for us to be able to relate to them and not to our dogs and our, our pets that we have at home, okay? So in bringing God, uh, Eve to Adam, what did God do? God solemnized the first marriage. He solemnized the first wedding. And he defined marriage. So let me just read that for you. So marriage is a man and a woman leaving all other earthly relationships, embracing cleaving and pursuing each other and becoming one person before God. So if you look in verse 24, there is a therefore. If you look back in your Bible, there is a therefore. So what does that mean? So therefore, because of what God had done in creating a woman, marriage came into being. So God is the one who designed the intimate friendship between a man and a woman. All right? So God created us women to be aides, companions, and helpers, not bosses. All right? That's very clear in the word of God. All right. But when God designed marriage, he also had an instruction. So let's read through that. Um, that is there in verse, um, sorry, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 and 6. Okay? And it says, I'm just reading verse 5, that says, And God said, For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two shall become one. So they are no longer two, but one. 
no human being must separate then what God has joined together. So if you look in the Greek language, it uses very strong words. It uses the word leave. Leave means to, in Greek it actually means to abandon or to forsake. So it says abandon and forsake your father and mother and cleave. What does that mean? It means to glue to, to adhere to, to pursue after. So to stick glue and stick to each other. So that's what the Greek says. And to be joined together literally means to be yoked together as one. So when you beat your egg, you cannot separate the yellow and the white, can you? So you, I know that's not the meaning of yoke, but I'm just, I'm just being funny. But it's yoking together. It's to make sure that you are joined together. So what God has created, God does not want man to separate. So if, since God has designed marriage, who's the best person who can instruct us? God. Extremely good. Full marks. All right. So we're going to look at a few perspectives, biblical perspectives that we need to maintain while we, concern, while we consider marriage. Or for those of us who are in marriage, I think it's a very good revision for us. <clears throat> One of the first things that's there in the Bible, it says that marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. So husbands, I want you to look at your wife and say, hello, good thing. I'd like you to do that, please. Husbands, hello, good thing. All right. Now, despite all the jokes that go around um, about marriage, you know that if you have your WhatsApp every day, you, ha you have two jokes about marriage, right? But God says in his word that marriage is a good thing, okay? So if God has designed something to be good, it is meant to bless us, it is meant to enrich our lives, and it is also meant to benefit us. So if God has created it, it is meant to bless us, it's meant to benefit us, as well as to enrich our lives. Now, I know, in spite of it being a good thing, a lot of us have very true realities in our lives. That we know that our marriages are not good things, it's a bad thing. But yet, even, even with the challenges and with the kind of difficulties we face, in the midst of all this, we are asked to choose to look at marriage through the biblical perspective. And as a husband and wife, we need to maintain a biblical confession. I know very often when we fight at home, we make very wrong confessions. You know, I wish I never married you. I wish I had listened to my mom and married the first one I saw. Right? So what are our biblical, what are our confessions? So we need to rechange that and look into seeing how can we make a biblical confession about what, of, of how God sees marriage. Now I have a task for you. Okay? If you're married, I'd like you to hold your spouse's hand. Alright? And repeat this after me. We're going to do a biblical confession and it's up there on the screen for you. Alright? So you're going to repeat it after me. Our marriage was designed by God and it is a good thing. It was designed to bless, to benefit, and enrich our lives. We need to learn how to do this right, and then we will experience God's intended blessing through marriage. Okay? Now, this is the confession you've got to make every day, not just this morning. To tell your wife, to tell your husband, yes, we were designed by God and what we have together is a good thing. So marriage is a good thing. Next, marriage is an institution that needs to be honored. If you look with me into Hebrews 13 verse 4, it says, Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Now, marriage is to be held in utmost reverence and honor. What we see around of marriage is definitely not what we just read here, right? You, can, you, you, you hear a lot about extramarital affairs, sexual involvement outside of marriage, but what does God ask us to do? That our sexual intimacy must be held sacred and it must be guarded with purity. So when God created marriage, he created it to be absolutely something that is of honor 
where the sexual intimacy is intended on, between a husband and a wife within marriage only. So if you honor God, if each of you honor God, you will honor his word, you will honor his work, and you will honor the institution of marriage. So, it, so basically, I think marriage deserves a reverence just like how you would offer anything in your life. I know some of you work reverently and honorably at your workplace. And I think marriage requires that same attitude of, of holding it in absolute reverence. We go on to the next one, where marriage is a solemn covenant. For those of you who were married in church, I'm sure you all have established your marriage through the exchange of vows. So you actually spoke vows to each other. And who do you think was a witness there? God. Yes, your guests are. But then God is a greater witness of the promise of faith that you made. So your wife is yours because of the vow you made to her. And your husband is your husband's because of the vow that you made to him. Now today, if you look at the world, marriage has, you know, socialistic theory in it. Everyone is into marriage because of a social contract. You know, if you fill my needs, if you give me all that I want, I'll stay with you. If not, you know, let's part ways. But by contrast, what does the word of God say? The word of God has instituted marriage as a divine covenant that is designed to be a lifetime commitment between a husband and a wife, right? So since you have made your vows, you live together lifetime because you have made your promise of faith to the Lord. We move on to the next one, where marriage is between one man and one woman only. When I read this, I thought it was pretty strange. But then looking around, you know, for those of you who work in corporates, you probably see that, that marriage can be between many people at a time, right? And what God expects us of us is that we be married. Marriage is between one man and one woman. The first responsibility, there are two responsibilities here. The first responsibility is to establish your independence from your parents and other earthly relationships. Now, if you look at a family, there is a parent-child relationship. Now, that parent-child relationship is temporary. And that's from where you need to leave. And then there is the husband-wife relationship, which is permanent, to which you need to cleave, right? So our first responsibility is to establish independence from our parents and other earthly relationships. The second responsibility is for us to establish a commitment to each other. Now, when you're looking at a husband and a wife, they, we consider marriage like an um, inner circle where there is just space for a man and a woman. And there is no space for anybody else. If anyone tries to intrude in, you will find that the marriage definitely goes through some form of stress, right? I think one of the biggest examples is when, when we are married, we still choose to be dependent on our, on our, on our parents, yeah? We still have not cut off the umbilical cord. So what happens? There is a huge stress and strain in the marriage. Now this is a warning for all the parents who have children who are married, all right? I know I don't like to do this because I have my own parents sitting here and listening. Um, the point is that we got to make sure that we let go of our children so that they, they can give undivided attention to their spouses and that we are not there as parents to interfere in their any decision. In the, in the counseling cases that I see, I think at least 50% of the marriage um, cases that we see tend to have this come up, you know, where parents interfere and they find it difficult to, um, to go ahead without the interference of the parents. So let's remember that marriage is, is a, in a circle where there's just place for a husband and a wife. Are all of you awake? Are you young people awake? Yes, thank you. Okay, then marriage is a union of two. Let's look into the scripture for this. As the scripture says, for this reason, in, this is in Ephesians 5, 31, 32. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two will become one. 
there is a deep secret truth revealed in this scripture which i understand as applying to christ and the church so what does this one flesh mean to be made one flesh is to be made one properly united person to be made one properly united person and and you know the, the verse here says that there is a great comparison to this union can you tell me what that is it's there in the verse between christ and the church absolutely so what does it say that christ and the church are one christ and the church are one and that's what paul actually exhorts us to say just like how christ is one with the church we need to be one with our husbands and we need to be one with our with our wives so if if in marriage a man and woman are, are made one at the moment of their marriage in god's presence so they made one but then they need to live it out for the rest of their lives so you are made one in the ceremony yes you are made one but the challenge is to living it out as one now how does this becoming one actually translate in a marriage i think some of the key ways is to build a relationship it is um, it is to build a relationship is to make sure that your relationship is built on love on trust respect and understanding bini often says you know that i just worship him at all times and i and i stand prostrate in front of him and that's usually on our breakfast mornings because he says jean you don't have to worship me so much with your burnt offerings okay yeah but that it is just building a relationship i guess for us for him he's got a terribly funny bone all right and be- being one is also being a companion doing things together sharing caring spending time together next is being in agreement being uh, having the ability to consider each other's differing ideas and coming to a place where god is assigned like i was just discussing with bini and i i was telling him that you know it's not right that we portray all the nice things about us but also let them know how bad we are too i think uh, very many years into marriage we found it extremely difficult to agree with one another in becoming one and you know we had very many struggles in actually getting to do that i'm not saying that we we surpassed it all we still do and but yet uh the call is to be one even when we disagree the call is to um uh, to be able to agree even in disagreements next is to complement each other though you are different individuals you are being perfectly fitted together to support and complement each other bini is a night person i'm a morning person so there are times i think i've said this before there are times that uh, bini gives his spiritual discourses to me at 12 o'clock and i'm sleeping right through it or in the morning that i'm give, that i'm talking to him about very important matters and the evening he comes and he says you didn't tell me about that for the last few days but then what we have finally how we complement each other is we find some kind of middle time to be able to connect to each other to each other so when he sleeps i do my individual tasks and when i sleep he does his individual tasks so we are able to form some form of oneness by being able to complement each other the next thing is being united being able to um cooperate and collaborate with each other my parents are moving into their 50th year of um their anniversary and i have seen 50 years of not 50 sorry i have seen that many years of being with them and uh, i think through their differences they've actually united together in in uh, quite a bit of quite a bit of strength and that's what we have also learned and lastly being one is being intimate so it's like being an open book with your husband and wife or wife being transparent being able to be able to share your deepest fears your darkest secrets whatever it is being able to do that and that's how we look at being one now the process of one, being one often many people have said if i'm one then i lose my identity i'm no more jean or i'm no more bini but what when when god intended being one he actually intended it to be a perfect alignment and a mutual complementing so being one is not that you lose your identity it's that you merge in so well together that you can't see the difference if you like mirinda the drink mirinda you know how it's made of very simple they use orange juice and they use carbonated water and it mixes together and it makes a perfect drink as against oil and water 
So what I would challenge you is when you look at becoming one, each time you hold that Mirinda bottle, say, God, help me to compliment, help me to relate, help me to build an intimacy with my partner, just like this Mirinda, not like oil and water. All right. The last thing that we do go into is that marriage is a journey of love till death do us part. Mar marriage is a journey of love till death do us part. I wonder how many of you are waiting for this to happen. Well, if you are, I'll be right here. Come back and talk to me. Okay, jokes apart. Marriage is definitely for a lifetime, and we choose to grow into our marriage until death do us part. If you look back at the vows that you have um, said to your spouse, I'm just going to read just the vows, just for you to remember and just to reflect on what you actually said. So as the groom or the bride places the ring, they say, with this ring, I take you to be my husband, bar wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, according to God's holy word. I give you this ring as a sign of constant faith and abiding love. With my body, I honor you. All that I am, I give to you. This is my solemn vow. So as we have just looked in to the word of God, I think God gives us the blueprint about what marriage is. What I want each of you to just reflect on is to see what personal change or what personal uh, change of attitude do you need to make to the institution of marriage. You probably have thought that marriage is not something that was for you, but God has said that it's a good thing. There may be times that we have been unfaithful, but God says that it is a solemn covenant. There are times that you just want to go out, but God says it's still death to us part. So let's just take a few minutes to just reflect and ask God to change our perspective and line ourselves to what God wants us to see in our marriages. Okay, as we move on, now I think it's time for, for all the, the people who are waiting at the counter to wait for their table to keep your eyes and ears alert. Okay, we're going to be dealing into how do you prepare for marriage. Can I see the number of people who are preparing to be married? Can you raise your hands? You don't have to be shy. Marriage is a good thing. I promise you that. Hi. Hi up, please. I'm sure there are much more. Okay, thank you for all the brave ones. All right. Like I said, even for the ones who have it 10 years down the line, you're still preparing for marriage, right? So then it's a lesson for all of us. Okay. So what we need to understand is marriage is a union of two individuals. It's a coming together of two worlds. So when we look at two people, there are two people who come together and manage with different personalities, different tastes, different perceptions, different experiences. Everything is different, even their personal walk with God. Now, this union of two individuals can take two courses. It can either lead you to a beautiful synergy or it can take you to a massive collision. Okay? If you are well-prepared, well-equipped, I'm sure it will take you through the path of a good synergy. But then, if we have got into marriage hastily or lightly or for the wrong reasons because dad and mom has told us or because, you know, we need a second income, whatever it may be, you can be kind of sure that it's going into a massive collision. So when we need to make sure that we enter marriage prepared. Now, the, if you look at the ancient Jewish culture, they have a very interesting custom before marriage. So the couple get engaged, and the word is said with both the families, and there is a year-long period of waiting for them. Year-long period of waiting. And in this year-long period of waiting, there are two things that happen. One is the preparation. In the preparation, the bride makes herself ready for the groom, and the groom goes out to prepare a place for the new family. So that's their preparation. And there is a time of testing where the bride proves her purity and her devotion to the groom, whereas the groom demonstrates his readiness to take on that responsibility. And it's only after that one whole year that they actually do get married. While I'm not advocating that you get a Jewish traditional marriage done, 
I think the key that we can take out of it is preparation or being able to prepare yourselves before marriage. So one of the things that we recommend, at least in all people's church, is that the couple who is to be married undergoes the, the training or, or um, a premarital counseling which lasts to a minimum of three months where they're able to understand what God's purposes is for marriage before they get into marriage. But for those who are preparing for marriage and who have another 15, 10 years, my biggest advice for you is start preparing right now. Okay? So, so get into your preparation phase, and I'm glad that you're doing this already, but when you do that, you can be sure that your marriage is going to be much more fruitful. Um, when we look at preparation, we're going to look at basic seven areas of preparation. Okay, so we'll just take them one by one. So the first one is becoming the best you. If you ask a person who's just getting ready to, marry, you, to be married, the, one of the first questions people ask is, you know, what kind of a guy are you looking at? What kind of a girl are you looking at? So they will give you their whole 10 list, right? But then I think what is most important in marriage is to be able to become a better you. Because when you become a better you, you're doing your part of being, being, of preparing for marriage. So the best gift that you can bring to your spouse is yourself. So prepare yourself and how you are ready for the role before you look at what your fiancé could give you. Uh, I'm just going to read a verse. That's John 14, 2 to 3. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if you see this comparison in this passage, it is of how Jesus died on the cross for us to redeem us as his people. But what do you think he is doing right now? He is preparing a place for us right now. And what do you think the Holy Spirit is doing right now in us, in our midst? He is preparing us to be a glorious church without blemish to be presented back to him for that grand wedding. So just in comparison, it is a key thing to be prepared before you do get married. So as part of your preparation, all of you young people who are ready to be married, determine to work on yourself. Make it a task to work on yourself. And you have his word, you have his spirit, you have his help to let you go through that. The next thing that, that we need to do to prepare ourselves is our emotional health. Now, before we get into marriage, it is important that both the girls as well as the boys, individual emotional health is healthy, is good. And it's important that we maintain positive emotions, positive attitudes, positive behaviors. If not, your marriage is going to steep down. You're going to go, it's going to nosedive. So rem what I need you all to remember is that it is not, marriage is not a cure for all our emotional problems. Very often we hear that people get into marriage in order to feel complete. Or I have not been loved before, so I'm looking for someone who will love me. I don't have this need met, so I'm looking for somebody who's going to meet that need. But it's important for us to be able to see and to work on our emotions, identify what they are, face up to it, and deal with it before we enter marriage. Let me just read out a couple of negative, unhealthy emotions that must be recognized and addressed. I know there is a huge, big list, but I'm just reading out a couple. Outbursts of anger, maybe depression, unable to handle stressful situations, being critical, being negative, being guilty, feeling insecure, being emotionally dependent on parents, being self-centered, having jealousy and pride, being controlling or demanding, being manipulative and cunning, being unforgiving, being selfish, or being deceptive and secretive. We need to understand that very often our wrong behaviors stem from the emotional problems that we have. Very often, a nagging wife doesn't, just doesn't become a nagging wife like that. It could be because of the behavior of the spouse, or it could be because of certain issues that the wife has. So we need to make sure that 
that we deal with every form of emotion that is unhealthy within us. So part of becoming one is not only looking at your own emotions, but also understanding the emotions of others. When we got ma married first, I am a very um, emotional person. And Bini is a person, not saying he's not emotional, but then he, he kind of clouds his emotion. And it, it was pretty strange for him to see me cry at times when I was upset. Right? But then it took us time to be able to understand, to be able to respect each other's emotions. Or at times when we get angry, I'm the one who has verbal diarrhea. Whereas he's the one who's very calm and quiet and listens. But then it took us time to be able to understand that, to move forward. The next thing that we need to look at is personal management. Before we get into marriage, we need to have our house in order. Now, if you have built a house, if you all are in the process or if you all have built a house, you will definitely take stock of your resources. How much of money do you have? Uh, where am I going to do it? Who's going to help me? So you basically take stock of it. Have I got all of you or are some of you asleep? If someone said, just, just shake the other one up, just knock them on the head. So we need to take stock about, uh, about who we are and about ourselves in order for us to be able to prepare for marriage. Now, there are certain key areas that we're going to look at. One is how we're going to manage our career, managing our finances, uh, managing our time and our household skills. So what do we do to get our career in order? So before you get married, um, I think it's important to ensure that you know what, where you are going professionally. Whether you're going to be changing a job just before marriage or after marriage. Because that's, that's, that's an important task in itself. Is there uh, an option of working from home? So if there is an option of working from home, we need to place limits of what is family time and what is work time. Also looking at relocating. Do you intend to relocate right after marriage. It is recommended that couples do not spend time separate from each other in the initial periods of marriage and definitely not for more than three, uh, three months at a time because we see a lot of extramarital relationships crop up because of separation in itself. The other area that we look in for personal management is our finances. So how do you manage your monthly income? How will you live, live within your means? Would you be faithful in giving your tithe? Also, to move away from the my money, your money mentality and looking at it as a unified approach towards money. Because remember, you are one flesh, not only in body and soul, but also in your money, right? What else do we look at in finances? Who would be responsible in handling the money, paying the bills, matters regarding debt, is there debt that is looming large on your head? How are you all going to make sure that that's spent? So these are the things that you need to take stock of before you enter marriage. The third is time management, basically on your work schedules, your devotional time, the time that you spend committing to your local church, the time that you do to set your own goals. When do you plan for your family? When do you make sure that you extend it? When is it that you plan to stop? So these are certain things that you would think of in preparation. I know I'm going a bit too fast, but there is going to be a manual that will come in where you can read and um, also meditate on it further. The last part of preparation is on managing is household skills. So in a city like Bangalore, I do understand that both the husband and the wife or the groom and the bride would be working. So it basically means that we cannot hope that the wife will do all the work, right, while the men read the newspaper, right? So it's important that we build our household skills on how we can cooperate with each other in order to take care of the home. While I know that none of us are perfect in doing any of this, it's still a start in being able to prepare for marriage. Another area that we will get into is on relationship skills. Let me just read uh, a verse for you of Philippians 2, verses 3 and 5. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast, but be humble towards one another, always considering others better than yourselves. Look out for one another's interest, not just your own, 
the attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. So a good, uh, you, we need to establish healthy relationship skills in, in order to prepare for marriage. What God exhorts of us is not to be selfish, but it is to consider others. So how do we do that? Some of the ways are being in our communication. A lot of times a breakdown of marriage happens because there is a lot of frustration in communication. So learning how to communicate with each other, learning how to listen more than, more than talking, learning how to express your thoughts, learning how not to use your communication as a threat in order to get certain things done. Important relationship skill that we need to build is to understand the roles and responsibilities that we have as a husband and wife. Now, God very clearly defines that for us. He says, the husband is the head and the wife is the co-heir who must be heard and understood in decision making. So there may be a division of responsibilities and it is important that we build that relationship in knowing what are the responsibilities that we can give, what are the responsibilities that we need to take. One of the important relationship skills is our relationship with our in-laws. We need to define clear boundaries in our relationship with members of the family. It is important that the couple keeps a healthy distance from the members within the family so that there is no interference in decision making. I think another thing is to also understand where you will be living. Will you be sharing a home with your in-laws or with your parents and understanding how that equation works? The next form of pref preparation is overcoming past abuse, trauma, and negative experiences. Unfortunately, our life brings a lot of unexpected un and unpleasant experiences. So we, we need to overcome our past. We need to ask God to be able to heal us. So some of the few areas that we have just kind of listed is abuse. So if you have been a victim of any form of abuse, this can create many deep and severe wounds and can affect your marriage. It is important that we work through that, ask God to help, to heal, and take additional help for that as well. Understanding that no form of abuse will be there at your home, whether it be physical or whether it be emotional. You need to make a commitment that there will be no form of abuse within your home, within your family. The second area that we need to overcome is the area of addictions. If we are bound to any form of addiction, we need to list them out and need to make sure that we make a decision to receive freedom and renounce them from our marriage. Else, it's going to get, get us into a lot of trouble. The last area is negative home ex environments and experiences. We may come, have, probably would have come from homes where there is infidelity, where there is separation, where there is divorce, or where there are incorrect models and learned behavior. But the point is to understand that we do not anticipate any of this in our marriages and to declare, like I said, have a biblical confession towards our marriages. If there are incorrect models in our lives, we need to relearn, we need to, un sorry, unlearn and learn biblical patterns of of, our, um, of, of, of who we are supposed to be. If there have been previous relationships in our lives, it is important that we severe them, cut them off, bring them before God, um, repent of our sins, and take God's redeeming power for us to move forward. Remember that our trauma of our past really does not have to lead us to a lifetime of failure. Another area that we need to look in as we prepare is sexual purity. The important thing is, one, is to break free from every sexual addiction. It could be pornography, masturbation, homosexuality, or sexually explicit movies. It is important that we bring our sexual appetites in the submission of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And also to know that our sexual needs are met only and only within marriage with our spouse and not in any other form. We also need to prepare for sexual intimacy, knowing that sex was designed by God as a good thing for enjoyment 
and for fulfillment. So there is nothing to be ashamed about the institution of sex because God himself was the one who, who instituted it. So if you are married, learn to enjoy sex within marriage. If you aren't, wait till you are married. The next is pregnancy and childbirth. It is important as you prepare that you discuss about how many children you're going to have, when is it that you're going to stop, and what are the measures that you're going to use. It is important to discuss this so that you are uh, in one. And if infertility would come your way, we should remember that we need to decide what we will do in that case. And always remember to, to find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and find hope to believe in God for the answer. And lastly, abortion. Making a commitment and knowing that abortion is not acceptable in the sight of God. The last area of preparation, and I think the, the most fundamental and crucial area, is Christian maturity, calling, and ministry. So considering your own spiritual growth, after marriage, how do you ensure your own spiritual growth? It is important for us as individuals to be able to grow spiritually as well as to nurture the spiritual growth of your spouse. Also, the, your Christian calling. What is God's calling for you as, as a, as, as a, as for yourself as well as for a partner and what do you all complement each other with and come together with? Because two of you, you know, it says a verse that says, a verse in the Bible that says one of you can put a thousand to flight, and two of you can send the legions fleeing. So if there is complementary, if there is coming together in your calling of what Christ has called you to do, you are greater than just being one. Even as I come to the end, may I just request all of you to kindly stand. We have just heard about um, how God has instituted marriage he has a design for it, a perfect design, a good design. And the challenge and, and the calling that he has to us is to, be, is to live per se of that design. Many of us sitting here probably don't think marriage was what it was supposed to be. Or we may feel that it is not in line with what God designed it to be. Yet, God in his mercy... And in his faithfulness is there, is there as the third cord, the third strand in your cord to bring you together. So even as you stand there reflecting on your marriage and the young people, whoever is preparing for marriage, wherever, wherever you are at this point of time, I just urge you to place your marriage in front of God and say, God, you know what my marriage is. Or you know what my past has been. You know what I'm looking for in marriage. And I just pray that you will align me. You will align me parallelly to your word. You will give me that change of attitude. That a different understanding. A biblical perspective of what marriage really is. Challenge me, challenge me God, challenge me today to make a change in my own marriage, to make a change in my perspective about marriage. And maybe some of us here are hurting deeply in our marriage. And you can be sure that God knows, that God sees, that God is with you in your pain. And maybe all that he's asking of you is submitting it and saying, leave it to me. Submit to me. And be intentional about working on it. So if there are areas that, that you know that God's putting in your mind right now to be able to change in your marriage, to be able to change in your perspective, Ask God to give you the grace and the humility and the understanding and His Spirit to work through it.
make it ever true change my heart oh god may i be like you just take this time to just reflect on what we heard this morning say god just change me things that needs changing in my life in my marriage even as we do that let's just align our lives our wills to the will of god and his design and his purpose in our marriage change my heart oh god make it ever true person who's married. Father, we pray for strength. Pray for a freshness, Lord, in all the marriages. Lord, we pray for aligning to your word, aligning to the truth of what marriage is, that it's a good thing, that you have designed it, and that you have designed it for a man and a woman Father we thank you that you are the third strand in all our marriages God and a threefold cord is not easily broken Lord we pray for strength for transformation for renewal all the marriages here God for renewal god for reigniting the life of god in every marriage god father we just celebrate that things are going fine and celebrate we pray that those marriages will be even better even stronger as a source of strength to many others
Yes, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Now, can we just take this time to pray for our own marriages? And those of us who are married, say, God, help me to be the best I can be for my spouse. Change those things that need changing. You are the potter and I am the clay. So I submit, I surrender. In a way, God, I give up my rights for your rights, for your purpose to be done in my life, in our life. God hears every prayer, every cry of every heart. So just go ahead. Maybe you're in a place and you're hurting and you're saying, you know, I'm not able to bring myself to really pray for my spouse, not able to bring myself to pray for my marriage. You know, can you just call upon God and ask for His strength and ask for the power of the Spirit to give you the strength to say yes to Him. Father God, we just pray for those who are struggling those who are hurting. Those who are finding it difficult, oh God, this journey. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, we pray that you would bring about healing, Lord, of emotions. For you are the balm of Gilead. Lord, we pray that you would bring about restoration, that you would bring about reconciliation, God. Bring, Lord, them to a place saying yes to you. Yes to your plan. Yes to your purposes. We thank you, God. We thank you. Maybe some of you have gone through um, you know, a bad marriage and maybe even a separation. And I just want to say, just, just draw to God. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But he gives you the strength. Strength not to repeat the same mistakes, but strength to carry on. He brings about healing. He brings about transformation. He brings about change. So put your hope in Him. Put your trust in Him this morning. Maybe there are single parents and uh, you know the pain of separation, the pain of bringing up children on your own, the challenge of that. I just want to say that God loves you. God is reaching out to you this morning. Put your hand in His. Say, God, I need you. I also want to pray for those who are preparing. Maybe marriage is not even on the horizon. You're saying, um, I'm single and I'm loving it. And uh, Even for those of you, you know, who are single, just make up your mind to be the best you that you can be for the person that God will bring along your way. Say, God, I will breathe the best for my spouse. And I will adhere to your plan, your design of what marriage is. Yes. Your plan for sexual purity, God. Your intent. I will honor. I will wait. Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 13, read, love is patient. That's the love of God. We thank you, God. We thank you. Yes, Lord, as we continue to look into your word, as you've done so this morning, we pray that your word will just change us, transform us, for your word has intrinsic power, God. And we receive your word this morning. Your word regarding marriage. Your word regarding how it should be. And how it can be with you at the center in our homes, Lord. So we receive your word this morning. We believe your word this morning. We choose to, Lord, live by her word this morning, God. We thank you. This morning, we just want to give an opportunity for anyone who's here. Um, maybe this is your first time in church. Uh, or maybe you've been to church before, but never really 
You invited Jesus into your heart. It's a very simple thing to do. To say, Lord, just come into my life. Come into my heart. And I, and I did that as a teenager many years ago. And I reached the end of my road and I said, Lord, you come into my life, you change my life. And he did so. He stepped in, he changed and made life complete. So this morning, if you are here, and just pray this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me with all your heart. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you died and you rose again on the third day. to take my sin away. I just want to invite you into my life. Come Lord Jesus. Change my life. Make me your child. Let's go ahead and just invite him. He will step in and change and make all things new. We thank you Lord. We thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's close. And with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us, remain with us, even today and the days and weeks ahead. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.